When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will only say, I think given the challenge of the portal and how many new coaches and players we have, I think finding a way in a short window to meld all of those personalities and expectations together, I think is going to take great leadership. And I think uh, I think Scott can do that. I know he's working hard on that. That's going to be really critical. Because, you know, a team full of talent isn't necessarily a team. And so taking talented individuals and creating and melding a team, I would think is is, is going to be critically important to him. And for him, and I think he's focused on that. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. It's a fall season. I can't wait, man. Uh, not much more than that. Let's just let's get to playing some football and uh, some. Uh, you know, get, get away from all the, the media talk and everything, and let's let's get to some football. Thank God we had media days. That's right. Also with Mac. Mac? Well, let's just go straight to questions. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not very professional of you, Mac. I'm also with Boomer. I'm just busy working on uh, our new uh, media partners and looking out for expansion opportunities for this podcast, Dave. So I'm I'm busy... Checking some uh, Miami uh, podcasts as we speak, so move on. So Miami is a good option. We'll see. Also, the Redcast Rob. I'm just looking to get the season started, get some fire going. You know, wins. That's all we need to do is just win. I don't care about any of the other stuff. I don't care about opening statements. Win. All right, all right. Well, we um, aren't big on opening statements here in Nebraska, nor is Scott Frost. Uh, but we did have Big Ten Media Days, and um, I'm sure we'll be talking about that at length, Honky, uh, and just uh, kind of rubbing up uh, here season two of the Redcast, right? Season two, season seven, season whatever the heck we are. I don't know what it is anymore. But uh, Oh, yeah, you called it season seven. Is that right? Well, so the very first season was us just doing the spring ball of, of uh, 2017. Interesting math, yeah. And then we started season two. In the 2017 season, 2018, 2019, 2021, 22 was the seventh season. Shockingly mm-hmm. enough, there. Anywho, and that's up, a magic number. Yes. Um, upcoming shows here. First off, uh, we have on Monday night uh, another fan forum. This one with Amy Devon. She uh, was one of our Husk Girls on the Husk Girl Show, and she's a super fan in Big Sky Country. And then on Wednesday, a week from tonight, mark your calendars at 8 p.m. Brett Ciancia picks six previews. Uh, we'll talk about all things. Husker football, conference football, uh, you know, national stuff. Uh, as always, the hillvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use promo code REDCAST and get $10 off at checkout. Nice. Uh, Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown 1120 P Street, and their new one at South Point Pavilions uh, right behind Barnes & Noble. And FSC Edge, uh, if you're looking for a new job, go to www.jobsatfscedge.com. And last but not least, Smack and Smooch, custom shirts and specialty items. Check them out. Their QR code there, at Smack and Smooch, Facebook and Twitter. 
So, yeah, uh, I guess what yesterday was media days. Woo! That was nothing. No, nothing to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Uh, so you know, Scott Frost had some interesting. Uh, well, no, not interesting opening comments. Um, he did answer questions for about what forty-five minutes, thirty-five with local media, ten with national. Uh, but he uh, for for went. How, how was the Robert chose the term forego. there? Forego. Thank you, Mac. Uh, the opening comments. Um, uh, Honk, do you have any any clips on that? Yeah, here. Let's let's watch it so everyone understands. You know what what we saw or didn't see. Coach, would you like to begin with an opening statement? No, let's go to question. All right, hot day. Well, let's go. Let's question. Anyone with questions for Coach Frost? Hands up. There's no way that we. Here we go. That was awesome. I, I'm not kidding. I, I seriously look. This is the way I look at it. He stunned like everybody in the media right there, and they didn't know what to say. He knew exactly what he was going to be doing the second he got up there, and they just sat there and like they were like, "Oh wait, we're not going to have anything to pick apart and write about and do some crappy article." Okay, here, write a crappy article on him not saying anything. There you go, guys. Now, what do Rob, you want to know about the football team, Rob? As as anybody who goes through like media training of any sort you always want to be able to dictate the conversation right and you have an opportunity whether it's 30 seconds of opening statement or 30 minutes like pj fleck you take advantage of that to simply frame a a viewpoint but the right and anybody early in the year they've been framed the entire he, didn't, he could have simply said you know what i don't have a lot to say Today, guys, um, glad you got here early. I know we have to get back to get to practice. We're all business this year. Let's open it up for questions. Because that would have been an they would have actual, the exact same niceties to him. That right? would have been, and that's how you deal with the media, right? I am, I am shocked that either we do not have a media relations person coaching Scott Frost to do the right thing, or that he ignores it. And does something like that. It's stupid because it, it causes us to have conversations like this that would, do not need to happen. Literally 20 seconds, two or three sentences, and we'd not be talking about this. We'd simply be moving on, right? But, oh, no, he has to stand there and and not do anything. That's It's poor coaching, and it's either Trev Albert's fault for not having someone tell him don't do that, or it's Scott Frost's fault for not actually – listening to the professionals that help him one of the two well here i'm gonna just show i mean i, I guess i don't really at this point guys are gonna have their narrative or they're gonna write what they're gonna write anyways we can see this from a media standpoint in the same day hours away from each other uh with the world herald here and i'm not here to crap on just these guys i mean look i we've had chattel on we respect chattel I, this is not an attack on individual okay. people but i mean here's sam McEwen writing that in some ways the process of deciding if Frost can deliver that started on Tuesday. It began with an awkward silence, which, by the way, I was watching live. I wasn't awkward to me, but uh, Tom Ch uh, Chattel and Scott Frost seeming indifference at Big Ten Media Days and the uh, program's new CEO, Trev Alberts. So that's, you know, Sam McEwen writing mm -hmm. that tweet about uh, a quote from Chattel. Now, 
here's day fight who we're going to have on in a couple of weeks for one of our fan forums. He goes, I prefer the afternoon version of this column, which is Tom's take. Scott Frost is all business at big 10 media days. And it's a whole different narrative there. So I, I guess you're right, Dave, in some extent, come out, say something at the beginning, don't whatever, but you're not going to frame their narrative. Narratives are already going to be framed by the time they're coming there and they're going to take whatever you say and, and twist it into whatever they were already going to write to begin with. So, you know, you can say you missed an opportunity or you can just say, look, it's, it is what it is, but I mean, you know, he. There's a lot of video that well, we can get to from from that uh, yeah, media days. I, I he just, says, yeah, I, I, I would tend to lean more towards kind of what Dave says on this. You know, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't a big deal. You know, it's not going to make or break a season, but it kind of comes it. down to a couple things we've talked about. Frost needed to do this year about being that CEO and wanting this team to speak with one voice. Well, if you're going to be the CEO, you're the one who needs to be out there making the statements. You're the one who can set the narrative. You know, he's going to be the one speaking. So, you know, take that opportunity. Like they said, even if it's 20 seconds, go ahead and do that. And, you know, one of the things that Frost mentioned during media days is you, they need to be doing those little things right to kind of get them over the hump. I mean, this is a little thing in the grand scheme of things, but it's just one of many little things. Just get these things right so they're not issues, they're not stories. Media doesn't have to waste any time on it. We don't have to waste time on it be done with it. That's, you know, it's those little things they need to just catch on. Now it's probably something he can hopefully learn to deal with. You know, this is his first year that CEO type role as a head coach, but it's the kind of thing he has to learn to do. That's just my approach on it. So. Yeah. I'm, I, I kind of land more on hockey's thing. It didn't, it didn't even really register with me at all. And at the end of the day, what, there's nothing to be said. Everybody knows he's, he's a, and going into his fifth year, we've lost a ton of games. What am I going to say? Oh, we've had a really good offseason. Uh, we you know, and I know you could say that, and I understand that. I understand what you're saying, Dave, about just take the opportunity to say that little bit. It didn't look it. It didn't look defiant to me. It looked like it was more of a. I where the questions. I mean, he had just come from 35 minutes of questions from the reporters in the other room. That's where he had just come from. So he was in question mode. So I don't know what he the expectation was, but it didn't seem like a defiant. Or, or that, that, that it just confuses was like... to, to me and says he's done this for five years. He knows. I mean, it's not like he hasn't done this before. So he probably knows the expectation that you have some sort of opening statement, even if it's really brief. It just it would have been very simple for him to say, like, you know, what? I don't have a lot to, to talk about today, guys. You know, let open up to questions. All he had to do. He knew that they were expecting an opening statement. That's not on the media. It's literally how the program is set up. Every other coach in the big 10 had an opening statement not all you had to do is just acknowledge that that's just kind of standard protocol and, and go along the norms it's well in all fairness so every other coach hasn't thing. sorry every it's in all fairness so every other coach hasn't gone through what he's gone through this offseason i haven't heard anything about iowa I hear Minnesota, you, but i don't know about the other 13 from a national from a national standpoint bases. everybody knows everything about nebraska we're like everybody's favorite person to pick on so it, it, it comes down to like, what, what more really could simple. he possibly say that he hasn't been, hasn't said, or hasn't been said already? Yeah. Let, let's move on because the, the, yeah. I mean, if he wanted to not have anybody talk about this, all he would have to do was 30 seconds of simple intro. Well, the, the red cast, we gave our official statement on it yesterday. Hey, coach Frost, you did fine today. GBR. And that, you know, I don't know. Great, it's bad. A, it's a nothing burger. You're not going to win any it's football just, games and lose any football just, games in media it's just days. Nope. Move in silence like lasagna. That's, that's a that's probably the main thing. I you know, but some of the questions there. This I thought this was interesting. It came from two different Ohio guys, so we're not knocking Nebraska media here. This is Ohio media. Not yet. Two, <laughs> but two questions here. 
And they're phrased a little differently. The first one was, I thought, phrased poorly, and I thought Frost answered it really well. The second one, I love the way that the guy uh, uh, asked it. So this will be about a minute and a half here of video. But here, watch this one. First one is, is about us not being competitive. Hey, Coach Frost, um, Tina Bovenzi with Spectrum News in Ohio. Um, looking at you guys' success or lack thereof over the past couple of years, you're not up to the standard where you'd want to be. I think you could, you'd say that yourself. Uh, how do you guys get back on track competitively and ultimately get to the Big Ten Championship? Yeah, competitively, I think, is, is the wrong way to put it. We were competitive uh, in every game last year. We had our chances to win. We've made a ton of progress as a program uh, from a talent perspective and a culture perspective. Uh, we haven't got it where we want it yet. Um, there's a little little piece we still got to put together to make sure we get over the hump, but we, we're excited to have another chance to do that. I think that was a really good way of answering that because we've talked about that ad nauseum over the course of the offseason. It's when we had Sipple on, and Sipple goes, we weren't bad last year. Bad is the wrong word. We were competitive, right? And so when the question is phrased in a way of you're not being competitive, now that was one Ohio guy. Here's another Ohio reporter almost asking kind of the same question, but I like the way that he phrased it here, and I think he got an equally good response from Frost out of it. Hi, Coach. Steve Hellwagon with uh, 24-7 Sports in Columbus. Uh, question I have, uh, three and nine is the record, but all nine of the losses by single digits. And you turn three of those, it's a, it's a bowl season. You turn six of those, you win the division. And you're right there in every game. Just what, and not to wallow in the losing or anything like that, but just what is it that can be done just to make that one more play, that one more thing that puts you guys over the top to start turning those close losses into, into wins. I mean, you're right there with Michigan. You're right there with Ohio State, both those games. Just what is it that's going to be that's, that's going to put it over the top? Yeah, we had a good enough team uh, last year to do better than we did. Um, you know, that, that falls on me. It falls on the whole coaching staff. It falls on the whole team. Um, compliment Ohio State. That, you know, they came into Lincoln with a really good football team, and, and we were right in the game, and we didn't win it, and that seemed to happen quite a bit. Uh, it'd be easy if it was one thing. It's a little harder because it was a little something different in every game. Um, and more than anything, uh, I think we just need to have a little more of a killer instinct uh, to finish games, and, and we get in those close games, uh, we need to finish them. Uh, look forward to competing this year. I'm sure we'll be in some more, and we got to find a way to come out on top. What I like about that, what he said there was that, you know, it's a, it's a little tiny things, right? But it was a little tiny something different in each game. And we've talked about this, Dave. I think we did this six months ago. We talked about how we might be that far away, but it might be this much, you know, amount of work that it takes to get there. Well, e each game, it was this, right? So it's this, and then game two was that, and game three was that, and game four was that. And by the time you add up the nine losses, all the, you know, times that, it is, we have to get that much better to get over that, that hump. Um, and, and I mean that, you know, certainly the number of changes that have been made over the off season have been geared towards affecting literally every one of those things that have happened in every one of those games. I mean, now you, now it's about, you, know, you just got to execute it. Yeah. That's a, something I kind of thought about though, when you made that statement that it's just a little thing, you know, little things that needed to be changed. I mean, we made some very drastic changes in this off season. We completely, you know, retooled the offensive coaching staff, uh, special teams had to be retooled for what seems like, you know, the ungodly you know, amount of time we brought in a ton of new talents. I mean, was it really just little things that need to be fixed or 
was there really a lot that needed to be fixed? And we're kind of hoping it works this offseason. I, I was thinking about that after he said that. And I'm, I'm still not sure where I come down on it. So. Well, well, there are little things that stick out like a sore thumb is what they are. Well, I'm they right. are. But if it's just yeah, a little thing, this is a massive wholesale and, change but, from what it was. And there are also little things that are happening in the same places, right? They're just different, right? It's like it's like springing leaks in your washing and dryer line in six different places as opposed to like a sink upstairs and a sink in the bathroom and whatever. It's like, you know, special teams. And, and let's be honest, it almost felt like he took a shot at a certain someone there at the end when he said that they needed a killer instinct and couldn't finish the games. I'm not saying any names because, you know, moving on, but it did kind of sound like that was there. I, I mean, again, if we want to overinterpret things and, and hear things that we shouldn't be hearing in these press conferences. It could be self-reflective too, Rob. That, it, it could be. You're right. It could be. But he did say everybody was responsible. And let's just say that, you know, certain someone really did have a hard time finishing games at the end. So, Well, and, and um, you know, <laughs> it is little things in each game, right? But cumulatively, especially when they were little things that were different from one game to the next, that's where it adds up over the course of the season into big things. And that does require a lot of changes. You need to, you know, one game your kicker is okay, but the next game you can't hit anything. And one game your punter is kicking it off the side of his foot for nine yards against Michigan State. So you put the other punter in, he kicks it to the wrong side. And then the next week, you know, the first punter kicks it 84 yards against Northwestern, right? I mean, it's not it's not enough to say uh, our punting sucked. It sucked in that game, in that game. And those are the games that hurt us that time. We need more consistency across the board. That's without a doubt. Every area that cost us last year, we also had really good play sometimes in those areas. Yeah. Like every single one. Yeah, it's, it's why I defend – it's why I've defended Martinez so many times is that, you know, the, the, whole the, mistakes, the mistakes at the wrong times. But, boy, he also got us into really good spots that, you know, you needed, right? And so the point is we just need more consistency out of that quarterback position from start to finish. We need more consistency out of the running back position from start to finish. And Boomer, I think to your original question, that requires making enough changes without starting everything over from scratch. I mean, you know, uh, our defense, as an example, isn't starting over from scratch, and that's probably a good thing right now. We've got a lot of good key components back from a, a really good defense, and and uh, it, let's hang our hat on that, and let's mm-hmm. the special teams immediately have to be instantaneously not just okay not just average we need to win games because of special teams and and that require and because of how bad they were that required a lot of changes from coaching to all the i mean every specialist yes from the snappers to the kickers to the guys returning the ball every one of them has changed and i think boomer as a special teams coordinator for the redcast you would you would probably say that was a good move (laughs) well yeah it's well, although we've done this about every year, we've tried something new on special teams. Eventually, something's bound to work, right? I mean, the law of averages says eventually something's going to work. As so, special yeah. teams coordinator, uh, if you take the approach that we took two years ago with the analyst, a year ago with the split assistant coach slash coordinator, or what we have now with Bush, I mean, just from your professional special teams experience here, I mean, which which approach would you most most want to take? Well, I like as long as you have someone dedicated to it, uh, you know, regardless of what position it is. And I think you also need buy-in, especially from the head coach. And really, every position, you know, every position coach needs to buy into special teams. They have to stress how important it is for all their players. You know, if we're putting you on special teams, even if you're normally a safety or cornerback or whatever, it's not just something to get you on the field. It's an important key part of the game. So it, it stems from everything. I like having a coach that can spend a lot of time on it because we obviously need it. What, what we have been doing doesn't work. 
And I do hope that Frost is taking this this opportunity as a CEO to spend more time with it and stress the importance of it to to the entire team because it is something that's important. We brought up how Urban Meyer, you know, many times stressed how important it was and played a big role in it, you know, as a head coach and it worked for them. And I think that's that's what you should model yourself off here too. So well, for a little while and then go on probation. But I get you. Well, there's that, but yeah. <laughs> but they won championships. That's fine. So <laughs> hey man. I'll take I'll take a little probation if it comes after Jim. Jim honestly, yeah, I just it doesn't want, matter. I just want point. free yeah. tattoos. So, no, no, that was those free tattoos were before him. So, yeah, that was Trestle. Oh. Yeah, jeez, I, sweater I, vest. I, so many I, violations. So many, so many coaches. I can't keep right up now. with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think so, one thing that we've talked about a lot all off season, Dave, was the Northwestern game. The importance of the Northwestern game, kicking it off well, getting a good start. Here's Frost on that Northwestern game. Um, we're excited to go play in Ireland. There's some challenges that go along with that. Um, we've been planning for it for a long time. We're going to try to handle it as well as we can. Our, our players understand it. It's not a bull trip. We didn't earn it. We're going over there to play a football game, and that's got to be the focus. I like that approach. We didn't earn it. Dave, uh, I think you were checking today. The tickets are still under 600 bucks from Denver round trip to, uh, to yeah, Ireland. If, if you could get, your, if you could get you know, some tickets and go over there, I mean, what do you want to see um, not just a, not a victory, obviously. I mean, th- that that's, goes without saying. What do you want to see in that first game? What are some of those things that does it go without saying, Hockey? Because the answer to a successful season is winning, winning, <laughs> right? right? Like what 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 score do you need to see? And is one nothing good enough? Because I've said that a number of times. I'll take one nothing right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I get to one nothing, but I would just take any sort of victory there. Obviously, I, I think that. Um, you know, the narrative this year is Pat Fitzgerald's team is, is going to be down again. They're picked mm-hmm. to finish last. Um, this is exactly when Northwestern actually surprises everyone and plays better than expected. Um, I, I don't know anything about the Northwestern roster or the coaching staff, um, but I expect them probably to be slightly, at least slightly better than last year's team. Um, and it's the first game out of the gate in a different location you just got to go out and win the game, right? I'm, I'm going to care after that. I, I think I heard that the, didn't Northwestern has like the least returning production in the entire Big Ten, didn't I? Well, they had, yeah. no, they had no production last year. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you can't return anything you don't have, bro. Oh, my God. No, that's funny. But, no, <laughs> but, I mean, wasn't – I mean, isn't that it? So, I mean, I, I hear what I'm you're sure saying, Dave. Up, and, but and, I think that's probably right. Yeah. But, and, <laughs> but you know, Dave, I mean, we – due to, to the COVID situation in the sense that – a bunch of players probably would have you know maybe you come back you're you're delaying your graduation year etc but if you're at northwestern and you're ready to move on with your career and you're not going to play football after college you're ready to take that you know internship at a bank or whatever and and start making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year right and working working production for a drama yeah. company yeah. whatever <laughs> well yeah. brett siancia pick six who we'll have on next week um you know he has is a big 12 or big 10 West. Uh, he has Northwestern seventh there. Um, you know, Dave, when we talked with Dave Bartu, the college football matrix guy about oh, a month and a half ago, it, they're extremely down on Northwestern. I mean, like this is a, you know, this is a, this is a clear win. And part of me, I mean, look, I, Nebraska needs to cancel all that noise out no matter what. I don't care if we're playing a 12 and 0 team or an 0 and 12 team. You're three and nine coming off of last year. Like it, there's nobody. We, we don't, if we beat Northwestern, I say, if, then we don't come back and look past North, North Dakota. You don't look past anybody right now, but like, 
doesn't it partially kind of scare the hell out of you that that they are so poorly looked upon Northwestern right now? I mean, this is clearly the number seven team, blah 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 in the West. I'm like, oh geez, I yeah, I, I wish they were. I wish they were ranked first yeah. right now. I it honestly me, do. The ranking gives me no comfort whatsoever. None. None. No. Yeah, Northwestern. It, it just yeah, on a uh, Northwestern uh, according to Bill Connolly's returning 65 percent of their production from last year. You know, overall, so which actually yeah. puts them right in the middle for the Big Ten. Okay. They're actually higher than us, oddly enough. So. Mm. Illinois was, is bottom though. So there's you know there's the do we get to bring the Big Twelve production with us though? Like if you added oh that's true. You, you get Austin? to bring Casey and yeah. I don't um, know if it's factored in. I'm just curious how they do those stats with the transfer portal. You kind of have to. You probably have to manipulate those a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. That's hard. I mean, O'Shawn, you're, you're bringing his yeah. defensive stats and sacks and all that, and you're bringing what Casey did. I don't know. That's tough. But we had, you know, we had a uh, kind of talking about some of the media access that we were talking about at the beginning. Um, you know, we had fans that were sitting there saying, "Gosh, I wish they, you know, we would get more access from practice and more plays." Well, Pat Fitzgerald literally said the same thing. He's like, "I hope he was asked a question by some Nebraska reporter, and he's like." I hope you you show as much as you want on the internet. You post everything you can, you know, Husker Husker Media, because uh, you know I'd love to watch that too. And uh, you know, the, the reality is, I mean, that was he was answering a question about like how do you prepare for a team like Nebraska that has all that change. Right. And and I'm you know that's tough for them on their front. End. You know, <laughs> if we come out it's nearly impossible to defend. <laughs> we need to come out in the odd front. That's or the even front or whatever it is. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever they would have both at the same time. Yeah, that would mm. confuse them. No <laughs> defense at the same time. Get switch for we need to shift from a three to a four and just really screw them up. Um, well, a lot of the some of the narrative, at least, is that you know, are, are we on the same page? Is this coach on is Whipple and Frost on the same page? Is Frost and Trev blah blah blah? Well, we heard that audio at the very beginning of Trev talking about the team, and you know, uh, what do you say that a team full of talent is not a team. I wanted to play this uh, short piece from uh, Frost because this sounds almost identical to what Trev said, and, and maybe that's a good sign, too, that they are at least on the same talking points. Lockstep. Casey's one of many transfers we brought in. Uh, really excited about the talent we added to the football team, but talent doesn't win games. we got to become a football team, and part of that's integrating the, the new players with the old and making sure we're one team uh, playing together. So I'm – I mean, at the very least, they, I think that they're in lockstep with that kind of approach there. We brought in a ton of talent. We know that, that the transfer portal has done things to make the team, you know, work it over. But, I mean, at, at some point, it's the leadership. How do you get all those guys to work together? And a team full of talent is not a team. So um, that's that's what fall camp is about. Yeah, that's really the challenge of this whole year. I mean, it's not just the players. It's also that coaching staff. You have so many new figures on that. And how does it all mesh together? And they know it has to work this year. I mean, not only for the coaching staff, but for a lot of the players that are probably, you know, that are probably here for that one year and looking to maybe go pro after that. So there's a lot of people that know this year counts and there's going to be a lot of pressure on everyone to, to try to make it work. And that'll be one of the big challenges of that CEO role for Frost to try to make all this mesh in a hurry. So we'll see if it can be done. Well, I mean, one of the consistent things though, and, and, you know, that's kind of in some ways like these off season interviews that, that we've been doing, like, one of the consistent things that I've heard out of all these kids is that, you know, I, I mean, they could sit there and do the coach speak back and forth say, Oh yeah, our, our, we have great chemistry, but they're all talking. They all say it in different ways. You know, like one of the guys was saying how, you know, guys would show up in the defensive room and all of a sudden, like everyone's just getting along. They're hanging out. They're, they're friends. There's like, you know, everybody is, everybody seems to know each other. Like they've known each other their whole lives you know, and, and hopefully that's true because that's the sort of chemistry that 
makes the team play well together. Right. And, and understanding the playbook and, and, you know, the defense, at least that's going to be consistent on that side of the ball because, because chins is still there, but, and the offense, who knows? I mean, yes, Whipple has not historically been successful his first year anywhere he's gone, but, you know, hopefully with a combination of what's that going to change this year, but, but hopefully with a combination of like, you know, consistency with, with frost, you know, being one way and Whipple being the other, I'm going to just be positive on it. And hopefully they're on the same page. They do have some talent on both sides of the ball, especially on the offenses they brought in that, you know, a lot of these guys, it's just football, you know what I mean? And hopefully they can come out there and just play some football and they can work it out these, you know, against Northwestern and then come in and play Oklahoma at three. and I mean, that's, to me, that's yeah. That is that is one thing, Rob. I mean, we've always talked about you know this team needing kind of time and a runway to do it. This season, you're never going to get a better runway than this with Hydrox and the two Mulkey brothers to open up. I mean, you've got all the time you need. So if it doesn't work this year, I don't know when it will. So yeah, no, that's completely fair. And and Frost said it prior to last year that you know this team needs to get some momentum under its wings and everything. Had every opportunity with a, a team to start off like with Illinois, and and we're not going to rehash all that, but. You know, this is that there's no complaints right now about scheduling with that. We need to win some games early. And I don't expect here's the thing with expectations. I don't know that it. we shouldn't have any expectation that we're going to come out and, and be world beaters on offense in game one. I don't no. Um, I, I expect our defense to play tough, no strong defense and, and make it hard on Northwestern to score a lot of points. And I do expect that our special teams comes out and performs at a high level from an execution standpoint, meaning that, that would we're, be the best indicator punting, of success for the rest of the year. We're punting where you're supposed to punt. You're making extra points. We missed two of those in the first game last year. Oh. We're fielding every punt that we should field. And if it's going over our head in the end zone, you let it go. I mean, we're playing smart special teams. And if you do that, you're going to win a couple of games early in the season just because of playing solid special teams. And, and as you're working through whatever it is that you're, you know, your offensive transitions and all that are, you're working through that, but you got to win games along the way right now. I mean, Boomer, your, your runway thing is perfect. I mean, this, there, there is a runway here. You, you can't, you got to play mistake close to mistake free ball. The O line on the offense is what I'm really watching. I watched the, the Oklahoma game again from last year. And there's these moments where you just, I, I walked away so um, inspired like, Oh my God, we did this well and this well and this well. But I'm also tearing my hair out because after the first drive was done, we had four offensive line penalties in the first drive. Eight, I think eight offensive line penalties by the end of the game. And you're like, okay, yeah, we can't do that again. <laughs> you know, that, that that's where you make I don't know if that's a little mistake or a big one, but that was certainly one that uh, warranted uh, you know, we have a new position coach there now. So Hawk, is there other uh, media day tweets or videos that you want to want to talk about? Um, let me, uh, I want to show one here from, from Trev and he was, we just talked about the staff. Trev brings up the, the new staff perspective and what those guys bring to the room. So let's listen to that. Well, you know, I think when you have, uh, coaches like like Mark and and Mickey and and some of the other coaches, I mean, you understand they're bringing experiences to Nebraska, working for other head coaches or being a head coach himself or even NFL experience or working with different personalities of players that I think really can help Scott. It's just a broadening of your perspective. Um, you know, I think having a coach that's had to create systems and play calling in multiple situations, I mean, every conference is different. What you're going to do in the NFL is likely different than what you're going to do in the ACC. So 
I think a lot of it is just perspective. Uh, and, you know, when you sit around a table with different experiences, different perspectives, and different abilities, it has, you know, it's just going to impact you, I think, in a positive way, as long as you're receptive to it. And I think Scott has certainly been receptive to it. Mac was watching then the first thing he goes, man, that's a lot of bald guys in the background. So, I thought the so same serious. thing. Like, Mac, I was like, it wow. was interesting. Yeah. Like midnight oil. Giving, <laughs> doing the interview. They're all, they're all PJ Fleck. Fans. Yeah. The PJ oh, Fleck appreciation yeah. conference was there. Yeah. Yeah. Beds are burning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, hey coach, how uh, do we sleep uh, while our beds uh, are burning? How <laughs> <laughs> is the world turning? <laughs> Oh, Dave. You got to give it back, Rob. That's why. <laughs> oh. Dave, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you. I mean, you, you've you've had, I think, very legitimate questions about, uh, you know, Whipple and just how quickly will this work and this needs to work quickly. So based off of some of what you just heard there with, with Alberts talking about the staff and what they what they bring, what they offer, but also the challenges of making it work. I mean, what do you what do you think as you hear Trev talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's legit, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Whipple has a pretty good track record after year year three or so uh that's just not gonna cut it i think he needs to be good enough this year uh mm. to be retained right and that means in my opinion they need to go six and six seven and five um to to get that you guys are far more ambitious i just think they need to go to a bowl game and and trev wants the staff to stay together i mean they're investing too much in allowing mm. frost to recreate uh this to to kick him to the curb with a, a bowl season so even with a light record i think you know they just need to get to six and six so can can whipple and frost meld together well enough um to get there and i think with this schedule uh and and the talent they have on the roster which i think is legitimately good uh they probably can get there i i, I completely agree with you honky that the offensive line ultimately we can talk about mm-hmm. skill position guys all day long if, if the o-line doesn't produce uh, to the level that you need to do in the Big Ten, that's going to be the problem. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to see. Yeah, and if there is a point of, you know, we talked about silence earlier, but Trev using silence, he was asked that question about the wins and how many wins, and he's like, nah, I'm not going there. I'm not going to give you a, I'm not going to give you that we need to win six or say so. he's not going to get himself backed into that kind of corner. But it was, you know, I think essentially we all know what we need to see, and so and and that can be different things, you know, Rob. Rob will be disappointed with that 10 and two season. Cause we're going to go 15 and 0. I get it. Dave, you yeah, want six and six and, really. and everything. <laughs> the point is at the end of the day, we still all need to see the same things. In fact, we need Mac and I were talking before this, we're going to watch the Northwestern game together. And we already know at halftime what we want to see, whether the, whether we're up or down. I mean, if we're, it's kind of the same thing with Illinois last year, when we were at halftime, we we're like everything we wanted to see, we didn't, it didn't matter what the score was. It didn't matter if we could come back and win. It was like, yep. how did we not do how are we doing these things sloppily? We need to stop seeing sloppy football. And so that's, yeah. that's, that's me, you know, just Amen. beating the dead horse over and over again. Um, I think that pretty much takes care of media days, at least from what we had here. Is there yeah. any questions right now from any of the redcasters that uh, we want to do before we get into the next parts? There haven't been a whole lot of questions tonight. A lot of them have been statements, mostly just uh, kind of supporting the Frost approach on the, the press conference, you know, that he was in a hurry, had a plane to catch, which is true. You know, <laughs> plenty of time to talk, the season goes on. I like that, that, Marcus. You could have yep. said that. Hey, guys, I got a plane to catch. <laughs> yeah, Let's that would have been a question. I agree. You know, I, I agree. Claude Frost for not saying anything. The media is going to take something and run with it. Don't feed him. Well, I mean, 
they're going to take him not saying anything and running with it too. So just, yeah. you know, control the narrative when you can. But uh, yeah. there is, no, you know, it's like no, if Frost is winning, his media outings wouldn't be talking, wouldn't be talked about. And that is true. I mean, winning solves a whole lot of problems. And, yeah. you know, I, I think fact, can, you could argue that he did control the narrative. He gave some like little, no, no comment whatsoever. And that is the lead story. So that's like, like I said before, it's like a nothing burger. So he didn't give me anything. Well, some of the best practices we've ever done. Teams <laughs> really did, hungry. And Mac, the best chemistry we've ever had. You. Mac, I agree. He didn't need to. He shouldn't have said that. You know, great offseason. But he didn't need to say that. I totally, I totally agree with you. I w- when I was listening to Trev in that interview clip that Honky just only thing I was thinking about. I never even thought about the question that Honky asked me. I just winged that. Um, all I was thinking about was like, would we have expected Trev to stand up in the middle? of that press conference and not say anything yeah no but you wouldn't have you would have expected trev to say something right but But they're different they're different for sure and but i mean a head coach has to be a media guy don't they no no, not at all. And I think, and I not think, is, is, have to win, that is, not is, Nick, is Nick Saban a media the, guy? The coaches have to he win. He would have an opening statement. Yeah, he had an opening statement. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're very good. I wouldn't have an opening statement too if I was Alabama. Hey, so we had another awesome recruiting class. NIL's going great. <laughs> but he had it when he went you know, six and six too. Uh, things are going super well here. Just in the way it works. I have no yeah. problems. I would I mean, too. I mean, okay, and I've been trying to say this too is that Benning said something too, and it was interesting. And normally, like, I haven't been agreeing with everything that he's been saying in the mornings and, and I have been trying to listen to it, just kind of get a feel for what some other people are out there thinking. And he's a former player and he's like, I've known Scott now for like 30 plus years. And he's like, what he did yesterday is exactly what I would have expected of him from day one. He's always felt seemed like he's kind of been forced up there with these, you know, pre speeches and everyone just picks him apart. This year, he did exactly what I expected of him. And, and Mac, you listen to that show. So that's kind of what he said. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like and he's like, this is exactly how I expected, you know, would have expected him to be acting for the last five years if he could. So it's almost like, you know, and he's like, he just he just wants to be coaching football. He doesn't he doesn't want to be standing up there talking about all this. He wants to he wants to put the results on the field. Well, sure. But nobody's buying stock. So it's not like he has to give a report. All right. Especially not you. Dave. So (laughs) it's it's all going to be the the, it's all going to be answered come Ireland and come season. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, that's going to be Darn Northwestern. Skippy. Nobody talks about it. We lose Northwestern. Still, nobody talks about it. We're just going to fire him. So it's like, yeah, if they lose to Northwestern. I do hope they fire him. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some of the local whiskey distillers are hiring. So he'll be fine. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it, it, it's just how do we? It's going to be about the play. So, um, anywho, uh, I, the next thing I guess, and let me switch over here to. Not scarlet colored glasses, scoring explosion, mm. and uh, the offensive breakdown. Dave, is that you know it's the start of fall camp now, and so you know we can get a little deeper now into talking about offense, talking about defense, talking about the actual team is practicing, and and so they kicked off the the fall camp today. Um, you started seeing photos out there on on Twitter. The guys are are running around in, in half pads and. <laughs> Thank so God. They're they, not have walking. Fixed, they have fixed a lot of things right now. I mean, they, right. I mean, it's day one. All's right with the world. So I, I mean, I, I'm happy to actually talk about practice. I haven't actually yeah. seen any of the video, but I'm sure they're running and running very fast. Yes. Um, <laughs> in short, Dave, in short. Right, I mean, we get, we get so much from this team, you know, I mean, there's so much to talk about. We, uh, but um, to the combo 
the start of practice with actually some of the more valuable tidbits we heard from media days from frost um it was interesting to hear him a little bit talk about handing over kind of the keys of the offense to whipple and how i mean he even said i made him sad in some way i don't know i didn't i I heard that i didn't actually see if that was a smirk on his face or or not but um it just was interesting to hear him being pretty open about you know this kind of change dynamic in that Mm -hmm. offensive room i thought that was and I watched that video there and I thought it was great. He was, this is an instance of him being, you know, open and candid. And I also saw people take that as, as, Oh, look, he, he can't, he, you know, he's going to struggle so much to give it up. No, I just think he genuinely <clears throat> likes being an offensive play caller. I mean, that's it, a, it's a fun part of the job, but I also think that there was a realization that he had to come to where he's like, just, I don't know how to say it any other way than I'm not good enough right now in my career to be able to be the play caller, the OC, do all that, run the program the way the program needs to be run. Not a lot of coaches do that anyways. I mean, I know he'd love to be like Tom Osborne that way. Um, Osborne, Osborne's a very special coach. He's a, he's a Hall of Fame kind of coach he was for a reason. And good. there's a lot of coaches that that's just something that, you, you know, you don't handle all that. Being the OC by itself is a lot. Now, And Osborne didn't have to deal with NIL or the transfer portal either. There's a no, lot there's more a lot on of the things. plate these days. Um, there is this video, Dave, here where Frost talked a little bit about the role and that he's not completely stepping away from it, but obviously that, you know, Whipple's the OC. So here's here's him asking, answering a question kind of about how that role is going to go. Yeah, stepping away is the wrong way to put it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to still have my hand in it. Um, it's going to be a fun collaboration with somebody else that knows a lot of football. Uh, when I'm not around the offense, uh, I'm going to be able to trust him to take care of it so I can do other things. And I'm looking forward to having a little more of that role, but still being involved a lot. You know, think about that. When we talked with Michael Severe, we asked that question a couple months ago, and it was, it was, um, you know, what what about having the best of the offense from Frost and Whipple, and you bring it together, and you kind of create the create the best of all worlds there, and then, and then, uh, you know, but then Whipple calls it, and and Severe's response was, he's like, I'm not into fusion cooking and everything. And I, I get where he's coming from. I still think me personally, I think that we, we would miss an opportunity this last off season. If we didn't have the minds of Whipple and Frost working together, it sounds like they were, they were trying to get some terminology together that would make some transition easier for players and everything. But I, it, Whipple needs to be the man on Saturday. But Frost, absolutely, all offseason in terms of getting the scheme and the X's and O's together, he can play a role in that. He can play a role from Sunday to Friday getting a game plan together. But what he needs, he needs to let Whipple be Whipple on Saturday is, is my opinion of how you really use the, the OC role. Maybe there's a good poll out here where um, you could ask, like, what are, what's the over-under of the first when, – when do we see the first designed QB run play call right is it like the first drive second drive third drive fourth drive right because i mean that that would indicate that that's that's frost hand still on the overall um the playbook and not necessarily play calling but some some part of the game strategy right because i don't think you'd see that out of a whipple offense well no so you're saying if 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 we see a design run from the quarterback that's a frost call is that i'm just trying to i wouldn't say a call i mean i'm i would say that whipple still maybe made that call but like in the strategy of the game and the general playbook, that'd still be a mm. frost play. Gotcha. Per yeah. se. Gotcha. I, I, the, the game I've watched quite a bit from last year with Pitt was just their game at Tennessee. And I, I, it's only one out of 12 games. I get it, but they, they did a little bit of everything. They, 
they uh, did have a couple of QB runs for what it's worth. It was in the Whipple offense. It looked terrible with Pickett running it for what it was worth. But, but um, um, so it could be there. But yeah, I, I mean, Frost I think needs to be very careful in a game. There, there's a part where you need to be in collaboration with the OC. I mean, mm. you're, and I'm talking thinking two, three plays ahead. Hey, you know, we're at the 30 yard line and it's uh, second and six. We need to at least get three yards and make it third and three. And then if we get two, then we can talk about, you know, you could be thinking ahead and talking with the OC, but that's another thing. That's a whole different thing than, again, I hate to bring up the Illinois game last year, but Hey, they came out in a four man front. I'm taking the headset back from the OC and I'm calling plays. That's, that's the stuff we t- we said all off season that you brought Whipple in not to get into that stuff. So yep. I want Whipple and Frost absolutely to be on the same page. I want Frost. I, I have no problem with his fingerprints being all over what the offense looks like. I think he's a great offensive designer and he can work with Whipple on that. I think they can be, they can work lockstep the entire week creating the game plan, but you hit Saturday, you got to trust your coach to run that game plan and do it then and not, not, the fear is of him yeah. taking that over. That's the thing that, yeah. that Frost has to stay out of. Well, well that's definitely going to be a challenge this year. I mean, Frost does like the offense, and this is a season where, you know, we've said it, he probably is coaching for a future here. I mean, so that is going to be – I mean, what happens the first time there is a, a scenario where the offense isn't performing the way we quite want, you know, or that game, that crunch time in a game like we've had last year when it's, you know, late in the game and we have to score, is he going to be able to let that go? That's going to be a big part of the storyline this year, too. Is he able to do that? Does he trust Whipple to call the plays when it needs to? And Whether we'll see it or not, I don't know, but I'll be interested to see it. I mean, does Whipple, does he tend to call plays? Was he on the sideline last year, Pitt, or does he stay in a booth? Anyone know? I, I have no idea off the top of my head. I didn't watch a whole lot of Pitt football last year or any year, quite frankly, because who cares about Pitt? But, you know, that's just me, but. Any idea? I think he's funky. Do you know? That's I. You know, I I think he was up in the booth last year with. Pitt. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, just curious. Anyone yeah. watching, if you happen to know, feel free to, to yeah, send that. Yeah. All of our fans in the greater area. pit viewing area, please chime in now, so you <laughs> I can just know. Feel like yeah. Harrisburg. Yeah. Know, yeah. Anything in the Western Pennsylvania in general, Eastern mm-hmm. Ohio, you're probably getting the, the games too. So please let us know. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to see some quarterback runs after maybe we go five wide and then it's just like a, you know, quarterback trap. Mm, that would be fun. Have we ever yeah. seen that? I, I, I don't know. When did we see that once? I, I, I oh there's something, someone explained it to us once. And well, there, there's a couple of quotes right there from a couple of the guys that, um, you know, talked about how, you know, we don't want to see five wide with a quarterback, you know, running the ball and we, and, or maybe a QB sneak isn't a bad thing if it's fourth and one and you get under center and you do it right. I mean, I, I I'll, I'll go down forever here. Score points, we're talking first about, downs, win games. We're talking Happy. about offense, and we can break this down more in a future show where we really get into offense more. We'll do an offense-only show. But, like, you know, we had this depth chart, and I, I altered it a little bit, but this was from a couple months ago. And, you know, there's additions to this that you could do. I mean, imagine you don't see Yant on this anywhere, but I can still picture a, a fullback type of position. I'm not calling it the fullback. I'm just saying a two-back spot where you have a big back and a – and a small back in it. Ramir, they've talked a lot about where he can play some some wide receivers. So how about times where we get multiple running backs on the field at one time? That's a way when you start getting into fourth and sh- you know short and you get under center. I mean, those are, I guess, uh, I'll use the, the two fingers close to each other, small changes, but those, they're meaningful changes because, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with everyone that, that wrote in about, you know, if, if we're seeing, I'm really, I'll really be depressed, Dave, if it's 
tied at halftime against Northwestern, but on three different fourth and ones, we came out in five wide shotgun sets. And, you know, I'm like, that's the stuff. Does like, anybody have dad on Whipple's offense in fourth and short? What he does? Because I know, I mean, I've seen I don't have dad like, on it. He's really good in the red zone, but he's really good throwing the ball in the red zone, right? So I don't think Husker fans want to hear that, but I think we're going to throw the ball in the red zone because that's what Whipple does. I'd be curious mm-hmm. to know how he, how he, what his fourth down conversion rate is and what he, what his play calling is. I'd be interested too in what the personnel grouping would be in For that. Sure. Like, like, does he use the tight end? Well, you you get Volklek sure. on the field. You get a guy like Chancellor Brewington. You get a guy like you know Yant in the backfield, and you you start to get a couple. You know, uh, you, you get different body types in there, and maybe get to two backs, have another back on the field too, and and you can do some things where you have you know the crackback motion with Brewington that that has worked well, and play action and roll out of that, and or shovel pass. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. there's the okay. Mac I forgot about. <laughs> okay, one shovel pass at the goal line, and we're done. We're done. The, the show that would definitely be a frost call. That, that would be the <laughs> the death of the Go Big Red Gas is one more shovel pass at the goal line. I think we all can just call it. Good. Or if we open up Ireland with a, you know, that's something like that, or, or a slant pass to the sideline, you know, just that's throw what it out to the flat. Yep. Um, I I, I want to show this again because guys. This will be, a, I think, an opportunity for us. You know, take a look at this. Take a look at this when you rewatch the show or whatever. We'll come back and we'll do an offensive show in a couple of weeks. And I think we can really kind of, at that point, maybe we'll start to have more information too about, you know, which guys are looking certain ways at different positions. But like somebody's hurt or something like that. Yes. Yeah. If there's an injury or whatever. Like I just moved newly off this. He was on it, you know, from yeah. our, from a couple of months ago. Right. So I put Ben Hart up at, at right tackle. There's Corcoran. I put him at right guard, Kevin Williams, Jr. Who Rob talked with back in February. He's left guard. There's Teddy Prohaska at left tackle. Again, this is broken record from previous years, but that's three top 100 linemen mm. on the offensive line. Sounds good. I mean, that sounds good day from a talent perspective, right now. Yeah, if we have four penalties play. and yeah. yeah, if we have four penalties in the first drive, like we did against Oklahoma, we're also quitting the show, right? We're never doing another show again. So stop having four, four penalties on the opening drive. And, and there's too many. We're going to quit the show lines tonight. I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned because I'm going to have me and Boomer doing a show randomly in September and wondering where Honky and Rob are at. And I'm like, well, hey, we can make it work, Dave. We got Rob. Sure, too, we'll so throw we, show we together. Gotta, yeah, well, we can here, make this happen. So. Here, just wait. We Maybe. can just. I can have I, this this guy here. Yeah, just and, do that, and I'll just. Get some of Rob's dumbest quotes and just push play on those. <laughs> Rob, are you going to take that? You know, you know. Well, how about true is a problem. How about this? This is I, that's this, the thing, though, is that I'm usually right. Dave calls me stupid, and then it turns out to be right. So <laughs> call it stupid true. all you want, Dave, but you know, you're just mad that I'm generally correct. So. <laughs> well, how about? How about this? How about this? This is I hope a, you're generally correct this year. Yeah, some I, offensive tweets of the week here that uh, will help get us out of scoring explosion. One of them here came from uh, Adam Brennan, Brenneman, and he gave the top five play callers in college football. And uh, this was from, I don't know, uh, July drawing? 18th. What's that? Is that a drawing? We need to get back to more drawings with, with like college football posters and stuff. Remember like the big eight no. when we had well, like courtroom drawings? Yeah. Is that what you're looking like for? A stylized 100%. photograph. One hundred percent. We need to like, scoping yeah. almost. Uh, you know, yeah. We need yeah, to graphic designers Dan to get in that. Yeah, yeah graphic designers designer swobes for us. He, he could do that. He's Love outstanding. It. Um, but anyways, Adam Brenneman, uh, you know, so this is some national guy, and he wrote his top five play callers in college football. And number one was Lincoln Riley at, at Southern Cal. There's number two, Ryan Day with Ohio State. Lane Kiffin with Ole Miss, Bill O'Brien at Alabama, and number five, Mark Whipple 
at Nebraska. Hey, um, again, that's hey, Honky, not... can you bring that back up again? Sure. sure. I'm wondering if uh, Swobes could zoom in and we could see Whipple's play play sheet there. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's on the sideline for sure there too. Yeah. Yeah, that certainly wouldn't be in the booth. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah. Yeah, all the passes were written in black. And uh, yeah, so that's the. Um, but, you know, so he has reputation of being a successful play caller there. When we talked again, I brought him up a couple times with Michael Severe. When we talked with him, Severe was very high. He said a year ago on Whipple, long before he ever thought Whipple was going to come here, by the way, he just thought that he, he runs an offense and calls an offense well. So, I mean, we're coming. It, this is the weird thing. This is how. How does Brett Ciancia have us at number two when we were does three he? and nine? Yeah, in the West. Ooh, you know, how, yeah. how do these people have us projected that way? And it's like in today's world between the, the, the transfer portal, you can you can lose a four-year starting quarterback, but replace him with a quarterback who started for a year at Texas. You now we we get rid of the OC and we bring in an offensive coordinator who at least by some people are calling him a top five, you know, play caller in the country. So there are clear upgrades and there's reasons for optimism. There's reason for skepticism, and I get those too. Mm-hmm. But there's reason for optimism, and, and uh, I, I just I thought that was interesting. That wasn't somebody from you know a local media source saying that. That's someone national saying that we have a top five play caller. Well, and that's something I want to ask him next week when we have him on the show next Wednesday night. Just a little quick plug there, but you know I want to know too because usually when we have him on the show, he's not up on Nebraska. He usually just like you know is nice to us about it and isn't isn't too hard but he well, never Nebraska has Nebraska. fans a lot but yeah, but yeah. but he but he never like has us ranked like very high at all and all of a sudden this and year he sees us as being that way and he's been accurate you're right so why why can't he be accurate this if, year if he's accurate this year then you know we'd be second in in the west honestly thrills and, me i did not and, know he and, had and us at two and I mean, even said we're like we're like one it's like Wisconsin was picked up to the top there because I listened to him do an interview this week with uh, Derek Peterson of Hale Varsity, which everyone should give a listen to. And he said on that interview that, you know, he picked Wisconsin because Wisconsin's the easy pick because they're the ones that have been the most consistent. They have all kinds of returning production, blah, 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 blah. Wisconsin, Wisconsin can run the ball. Good for them. But I mean, but he picked Nebraska and he said, quite frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if those two flip-flop he said that and then he also did say and it wouldn't surprise me if nebraska finished at the bottom but he said it's way more likely he said it's way more likely that that they're going to be where he picked them or or when rob, rob rob you need to stop like three minutes ago because <laughs> the further you went the the, the worse i you know the mind yeah i mean if, if, if anything the big 10 west is going to be a fascinating storyline this year i mean there is no clear-cut favorite if you just look at it you know dispassionately uh there's questions on every team, you know, Wisconsin's got questions at quarterback. Iowa's lost talent, you know, Minnesota lost that big offensive line, you know, but they do have like what their 12th year returning starter, Tanner Morgan and, you know, Mo Ibrahim coming back. So I don't know where they're yep. going to be. Right. You know, we've got a lot of talent, but a lot of questions. Northwestern. Is a back yeah. too for Minnesota? Yes. Yes, Good he is. Girl. So I, like I said, there's a lot of 12th year talent back for Minnesota there. So, Man. And, I mean, haven't Iowa's quarterbacks yeah. been competing for that job for like the last six years as well? I think so. Yeah, the odds are good. And you never know what Northwestern or Hydrox is going to bring in. Purdue's somehow wins games without running the ball. I don't know how to explain them. And Illinois, who knows with Bielema what they're going. The Big Ten West is going to be kind of interesting this year. I'd, yeah. You know, if, if even if I wasn't a Nebraska fan, I'd be fascinated to kind of watch how this whole division is going to shake out. 
I mean, the key for Nebraska, and this is really, again, this isn't saying a, a specific win number. Are we in the race when November turns from, from October to November? Because that's been as big of an issue as anything. And this comes down to wins, but how many, you know, as close as we are, is it competitive as even Frost said, we've been competitive, right? But when it gets November 1st, we haven't been competitive when you look in the standings. It, I think it is highly important, and I don't, I'm not going to throw an exact number, but if we are out of the race come November 1st in the West, that's a problem. No matter what our <laughs> record is, no matter what our record is, we've got to be, and that, and that comes, it comes down to wins. We have to be, this has to be a competitive, I mean, we've got games like Wisconsin, and I think Minnesota might be the other one coming to Lincoln in November. Those yes, need to correct. be meaning, meaningful games for all those, you know, those, those uh, ticket paying, you know, customers. I, this is, I've, I've got season tickets this year. Those games need to mean something in the uh, in the standings for Nebraska when when they come here in November. Ultimately, the schedule might be the deciding factor on our success this year. It's as favorable as it's ever going to get for us. Yes, I, I, I mean. There, we already know there's no excuses for this year, but that schedule lines up for Frost to be retained. And if we don't, then he needs to go. You know, yeah. but I mean, I I feel like yeah. Well, I mean, I, actually, I feel like I don't know anything about it. So yeah, I mean, I, if, if if you're not in the race in November with a schedule, because what do we have? Northwestern, uh, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois yeah. to start that season before we hit November. So you if go, you're buddy. not in the race at that point, you've lost to mm-hmm. multiple of those teams. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 be just, the interim head coach I'll put the exclamation point on the here. Self-destruct button at that point. I'm I'm probably the the most um, cautious on the optimism on the show, but if they're not still in the race on on November 5th when they play Minnesota, that's a disaster because the Boomer's yeah. point. I mean, you you need to be you know, have five or six wins there uh, because the last four are going to be the the the, the tougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I I've said all along they need to be bowl eligible by week seven, end of week seven. Like that's, Nate, I, think it, I approve your message. Well, Dave, let's uh, let's move to the throwing the bones, talking a little bit of a uh, defense here, and uh, again, you know, we're not gonna. This isn't deep delving into it today. That's we're gonna have a whole entire show. There's plenty of time between now and game skimming. one. Yeah, this is just to kind of the, the <laughs> overview. We'll start again. This is depth chart wise. And what I think was interesting, we had, we threw this out and I'm going to switch two names around here that um, th- this is still old from about a month and a half ago. Okay. We have Devin drew on the first team. We had Steven Wynn on the second. I, I have no problem flipping those guys around. Drew has barely gotten here. I don't know and, who those people are. Yeah. <laughs> and when the, you know, when is the, uh, the Alabama transfer who's been here all, all summer here. Um, but specifically what I like about it is that we have this in a four, three alignment. And with it's kind of a four three alignment. Also, we have the nickel back, you know, the nick back, uh, Chris Cole Roderick. So there's I don't know exactly how this is going to look, but just listening to Dawson the other night on the radio, he just flat out came out and said what we've been hearing all off season. We're going to have more four man front. So it's going to be maybe a four two nickel or it could be a four three. I don't know exactly how it, but it's going to be more four man front, four down front. Uh, Dave, when you and I. When you were de- down in Lincoln back in in um uh, in in April, and we just happened to walk up to Barry's that that day, uh, yeah. you, you had a you had like a, a business thing you're doing that day. But then like we we go over to Barry's, and it was the first coaches clinic that I haven't gone to in a generation. Mm. 
And we run into a couple of coaches that I had actually met that were from South Dakota, high, high school coaches. And I'd met at a previous oh, yeah. one. And Dave and I are sitting there and we end up talking to these guys for a good hour or two. And one of them was a D line coach that came out of Dawson's um, uh, coaching clinic. And he goes, mm -hmm. yeah, Dawson said, we're going to run 80% four man front. And he's telling us that in April. So it's like, okay, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why he'd be saying that if that wasn't the case, you know, or I don't know why he'd be saying that anyways, you know, so yeah, I, I envisioned four man front. That's what that depth chart looks like there. Um, there's also a reason I didn't jump off the bridge when we would lose a Casey Rogers back in the day. I thought that we had, we were, we needed to get a couple of guys in the, in the, Can you bring that we back did. up punky. Sure. Um, I knew that we needed to get a couple of guys in the portal and mm -hmm. oop, oop, that's offense. Uh, and we did, but your defensive line depth, that four man front depth starts to look different when you start to incorporate guys like Garrett Nelson, blaze Gunnarsson, Butler. Into oh, so you have Caleb Tanner. I do have Caleb Tanner as a linebacker. He absolutely could be a D end edge guy. I guess we, we should could be, he could be that hybrid guy too. We he do need to that. replace the, the D end with edge. That is a, the terminology there. Mm -hmm. Really. Okay. So Redcasters, uh, I probably need to do a little bit of work on this. There's basically two linebacker spots and then there's two edge spots. So Caleb Tanner's role here probably would be as an, okay. as an edge. And we kind of that edge spot. There's depth. Dude, Garrett Nelson. Said that was one of the deepest. Oh my God, Tanner Nelson, Mathis, Butler, Gunnerson. Those are all edge guys. Um, yeah, this is. I'm going to redo this this graphic a little bit just to kind of better show that they they didn't. Um, I should have had that ready. My apologies for the live audience don't, there, don't, but but Dave, you wanted up. me to bring it back up. Is there something you wanted to specifically? No, I just wanted to look at it more closely. I I I, I mean that was one thing that I, that was interesting to see. Mm -hmm. see how you laid that out. I, also, I mean, seeing Tommy Hill starting at cornerback, I think you might be right, but I'm sure Braxton Clark is going to argue that to the, sure. to, to the end of uh, um, fall fall camp. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, is Buford for sure a safety? You know, I... They've been moving. Yeah. Yeah, they moved. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was going to go run. I, I did finally get my, my Phil, Phil Still magazine um, earlier this week. And I was looking at the uh, position rankings, which is always interesting. Nebraska is is in there on a few of them in the 30s or 40s. The highest one, though, is um, the linebacker core. He has his 13th in the country in wow. linebackers. And wow. I was like, wow, that's we haven't we haven't hit a top 15 in in that magazine in a position ranking hey, in a long time. Dave, where's that rank in the Big Ten? Um, I don't, if you give me a few seconds, I'll run and get it, but, sure. uh, Oh, not sorry. I just wondered like, how well, give or take, tell yeah, you, what, yeah. Dave, if you, if you want to get it, I'm going to play a 25 second clip here from, um, uh, Garrett Nelson talking about the, his goals. Run fast, Dave. It's sacks. Uh, I saw the, uh, I would, you know, somebody has to be the defensive big 10 defensive player of the year. Um, so why not me? Yeah. So, um, I know that I know the type of player that I am, so I want to go prove the prove the rest of the world, and also prove myself that I know who I am. Uh, we have two guys that just stepped away for a second. Dave finding the uh, the magazine, and Mac. You might hear him in the background. He's uh, letting go of a, one of his drinks. I might have to I might have to run off for a second too because we got a huge hailstorm coming through here. I might have to go save. Oh, my are plants. you? I'm still here on Guapo. Greeley's about to Greeley's get getting hit with some hail here, but uh, yeah. that. Just to, for everyone here, um, with uh, Nelson, he just, you know, he mentioned there in that audio clip for the guys that, on the show that didn't hear it, um, that you know, his goal is to be defense player of the year. And he's like, why not? If not me, 
And, uh, you know, he has lofty goals there. And I'm guessing the uh, the Phil Still, which Dave is now looking through, uh, for us to be a top 15 linebacking core, it probably incorporates or includes guys like Nelson in it. And so, again, that edge, that edge position is going to be kind of middle. The, it might be considered linebackers mm-hmm. by some by some takes and it's going to be D line by some takes. And that's basically what uh, Dawson's coaching right now. Anyways, you know, D line. and edge. Yeah. So I, I can read just a little bit out of uh, Phil's write up. He says uh, inside linebackers, Luke Reimer and Nick Heinrich were number one and number two tacklers and both return plus outside linebacker Garrett Nelson has taken the next step and is a player to watch and the leader of the defense. And to uh, Max question, Ahead of us uh, in the Big Ten would be Iowa at eight, Michigan State at seven, Wisconsin at six. And that's it. So, so we're fourth. Fourth fourth with linebackers there. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree that the, the linebacker position group is our strongest position group? Probably. On, the, on the defense? right? Or the no, just in general in the whole. That's a good question, Mac, because when I saw that, it made me think a little bit. Um, and And – yeah, it's interesting. Huh? You know, for, if you incorporate returning production into the the projection of it, I would probably say yes because well, they were between, both yard, between Henrich yard. and Reimers, I mean, obviously, I there's production now. At the same token, maybe this is maybe this is me, you know, drinking some of that Kool Aid. But like, okay. I, I think very highly of what we have in the room at running back and what we have in the room at wide receiver, and yet. From a returning standpoint, yeah, that's a lot, all, of, it's, yeah, that's a lot of it's projection, but it, it's a ton of potential. It's a ton of talent. My God, it's four and five star guys and and all that good stuff. It's just it's not necessarily proven yet. Wearing red and white, but uh, the linebacking core, I, I have no issue saying that that's as I mean that's yeah. as proven of a of a spot. I think the defensive backs where we lose three of our four starters, yeah, that's but cool. you get Newsom back, and he obviously represented us in Indianapolis uh, at the the media days, and then. You know, I, Tommy Hill, I think, is a great transfer for us to get. And and um, I think Fisher is very excited with that's some of the safeties. The, that's probably been the best recruited position group since Frost has been here as the defensive yeah. backs. Like, we're still waiting for some of those, like, Noah Pola Gates. Buford's poised to make a, a breakout. But, like, there's there's been players within that group that are ready to shine. I mean, well, Quentin Newsom's came here. And, and to finally have some consistency from coaching at that position group, too. I mean, oh, yeah. you think about that. There was that stretch where we had, like, over – that's okay. <laughs> let, let me run through these position uh, rankings really quick, just for conversation's sake. Um, really quick, a quarterback at 52nd, running back at 44th, wide receiver at 34th, and then uh, offensive line 67th, uh, defensive line. I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't see it. Uh, linebackers again, 13th. I'm hoping I missed the D line. It's not good. It's not ranked. Uh, defensive backs is 56th and not ranked on special teams. Go figure on that one. No, it, <laughs> totally. That's someone totally. like our special teams. You know, but zero again, zero. think about think about what happened with special teams. We now have a returner, Palmer, five-star recruit and transfer from LSU, who has a D1 kick return and punt return to his name. So, I mean, so you're hoping that that's where the transfer portal helps you out. Uh, our punting was, as we've said earlier, a disaster. And then 
we bring in the FCS punter of the year, right? So you're, you're, there's reason to be optimistic. And yet based off of anything in the past, I mean, I don't know how you rank us any higher than not being ranked at all Almost the way negative, that he did. Yeah, I mean, sure. but the, the O-line one is really intriguing to me, Dave 67th. And I I've said this before. I'm going to say it again to me, the, the, the player that really maybe the most important player potentially on that O-line is Ben Hart, because if Ben Hart, who has as much experience as anybody coming back and he has the NFL body, he is the six, nine dude. He is a top 100 recruit. He's played two years of big 10 ball where he has plenty of experience. If he can, but he also fell out of favor for plenty of mistakes. He's part of those jumping, you know, offsides against Oklahoma that I talked about earlier. He's, he's, he's part of the problem that we had. He needs to, if he cleans that up with a new coach and, and has some new eyes on him, if Ben Hart can, can solidify that right tackle position, that opens up Corcoran to be able to play any of those other spots. We have we have Prohaska at left tackle. You have three top 100 yeah. recruits. If they if they actually play the potential, I mean, I'm, I'm asking a lot here, right? You play the potential. That doesn't sound like a 67th yeah. offense offense line in the country, but but we haven't seen it either. I mean, I'm not I'm not knocking still for ranking them there at all. Yeah. I mean, that's that's more than fair. If if Riola gets Ben Hart to be a solid starter, then we're set. Because that means all the other guys have improved tremendously mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that would be the development key that we're missing, right? That you're right. That's a hundred percent. If if they got Ben Hart to be a solid contributor as a starter, we're going to be just fine this year. I mean, just fine. Frosted himself will go as the offensive line goes, which isn't groundbreaking. Everybody knows that mm. in terms of offense, but <laughs> but it needs to, you know it well, definitely that could have been the opening happen. statement. <laughs> there you go, Dave. Dave I'm I'm in agreement with you. That could have been the opening statement. Here, I, I'm guilty of this. I brought us over to the offense, but we're still talking throw the bones. How about you know we said the offensive line is the most important. Um, Boomer, we'll get you talking here. What if there's a defensive area? What's what's key in the defense? Is D-line, linebackers, secondary, what do you think is, is key right away to, that they have to really you know take that step up for this defense to, to make the next step? Well, I think the D-line has probably the biggest questions uh, of what's out there just because of who they're replacing and you know the talent that was brought in at the other positions. And like we said about the linebacking core being as solid as it is, I, I do want to see what the defensive line can do. And that's always been the thing in the Big Ten. The offensive lines are so dominant for a lot of these teams. So how good is your defensive line? That answers a lot of questions, how good your defense is going to be. So that's what I want to see going forward, you know, this season. What can they do? Can Shenander make that D-line like it was last year? And mm-hmm. we'll see. So. Yes. Yeah. Big Ten's one in the trenches. So, Rob, you look wet. I am. We're getting a huge hailstorm out there. And speaking of defense, I had to throw some uh, paint um, – I don't even know what you call them, paint tarps, the, the big paint things that the people throw on the floor. Um, I've got some very tarps. large ones. Right. Tarps, yeah, and the, I've got some large ones. I threw them over my cars because we've got like nickel-sized oh. hail coming down out there right now. So mm-hmm. just saving so my car. Not but, but I'm really glad that you're asking because I actually think the most important area for the defense this year is going to be the defensive backs because I think we have some of the talent on the edge rushers, and I think that we got guys like Nash that are uh, – I don't know what's so funny, Hunky, but no, I think that, Boom, Boomer posted. Uh, oh, am I alive? Let us know in the comments. No, 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 no. Oh, I didn't see. <laughs> you don't want to know, Rob. <laughs> oh, I look wet. I am wet. Um, very wet for this Jeez, team to start playing. This soon. is a family show. Well, PG thirteen. Yeah, we we some mild violence. Um, 
No, but I do. I think the defensive backs, because if they can do their job in the back, they're going to give some time to some of these, what I think are going to end up being elite pass rushers, time to get to the quarterback of the opposing team. And especially mm -hmm. with some of the guys that we have played against that we should be sacking on a regular basis, especially against certain teams that are yellow and gold, whose name I will not say, um, you know, they don't have the best quarterback talent at some of these teams. They just happen to have a lot of time to, to do what they want. I think Aiden O'Connell is going to be really good in the big Ten. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, but I mean, I do. And I think the defensive backs, cause we got a lot of new guys that came in on that side of the ball as well. And, and back there, some transfers. And so I just think that, I, I just think that if they can do their job and they can pull together and show some experience from the guys that have been here that are now stepping into that role, the defensive ends are going to have some time to do their thing. And we're going to see some special things on the defensive side yeah. that happens. Yeah. We need to, we, Mac and I talked before the show, we, Mac was watching a bunch of, you know, old film from 20 years ago. And it's like, there's just always, what'd you say? Like the guys always just made a play. There was always, you were, well, that was kind of the thing. And, you, you, we we romanticize those those the nineties and maybe the late eighties a little bit as far as Husker football. But man, watching those games, we had plenty of three and outs. We had plenty of drives that we, we people were running the ball on us. But then they would fumble or we would have a turnover, and that would change the game. And it kind of just kept bouncing our way. And and then we could break a team's will because we we got a fortuitous turnover, and then we went down and scored. And that would just break the spirits of the other team. That stuff used to happen with regularity to those teams. And it's happened to this team in the complete reverse with a shocking amount of regularity. It's like <laughs> insane. The amount they are the number one team in the big 10 in turnovers for in the last like 10 years or something like yeah, that. It, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Just stupid. It's just so dumb. Like they weren't as, we were really good in the nineties. No doubt we were dominant in, in this and that, but it was like watching the, when I, when I put them on YouTube, I just expect us to steamroll every drive. I'm like, oh, three now. What the hell? You know, mm -hmm. wow. Frazier's like 50%. This sucks. I mean, like, where are the scores? And then, you know, the fullback trap, fullback trap, fullback trap, three yards, three yards, three yards, three yards, kick. I'm like, God damn, this isn't that fun to watch. <laughs> But eventually you wear a team down and you start scoring points and it's like, oh yeah, okay, this is how we won those games back in the day. This team isn't isn't that, but we're not we're not so far away from it that like we just had a few breaks score away. Boy, our record looks a hell of a lot yeah. better. And, and that's really all we're asking, right? I'll, I'll tell you what, the cha I'll challenge oh, you. Oh, and Ron Brown's on the sideline in nearly any game you ever watch. <laughs> I don't care if you go back. I swear to God, if I looked, if, if, if there was the Devaney 80s, yeah. film, I bet you Ron Brown would be. He's like Pennywise. He's, he's never aged. He's, never, he's never same aged. age. <laughs> I, uh, I would challenge any Redcaster out there, watch the 1996 Nebraska K-State game. And look it's, for Ron it, Brown. <laughs> Ron look Brown, for look for Ron Brown. He'll, you'll find him. But also... That is the perfect example of like everything you said. It couldn't. It couldn't have been an uglier offense. We 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 nothing was happening right. Yeah, it was game four of the of the Frost era, but the, it was defense. We made fifty yard field goals. We made multiple field goals. We we blocked two punts in that game, and it was defense and special teams winning a game early in the season when the offense was special struggling. Special teams were key. And, Aaron and, Miles was a monster. And we took it. We took it for granted. I'm sure as Husker fans, right? But you know, your punter is just always going to kick a great punt, and, you're, and we're going to block something and all that that those are the things that it worked in 96. It's the stuff we need to work. Now we need to, we need to have those kinds of performances out those elements of the game, defense and special teams to help get us through some of the, the natural, I, it is way too rose colored glasses to sit there and think 
that, uh, you know, we're just, everything's going to on first snap on offense is just going to work with Whipple and all the changes. I, I don't think that's realistic. You know, Hunk, um, maybe we could add some uh, clarification uh, on this comment from D Park 68. There's a question mm-hmm. in the chat about um, who's the number one center. And he says, Trent Hickson, which I agree. The media seems to have rallied around Trent Hickson. I presume that they're probably on the right, right track there where there's, uh, there's smoke, there's fire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, yep. we thought maybe maybe they tried Corker out or whatever. Um, and he states 15 starts in the O-line, uh, but n- no time playing at center. I don't know if that's necessarily true. When uh, Jurgens was struggling, wasn't it Hickson who came in and played center a little bit uh, at times? Yeah, or is that I someone think, else? Um, Hickson has – he's had a few snaps. I know Farniak, the younger Farniak, also yeah. played some a couple years I ago. I feel Hickson but, played a little bit. I, Hickson I, definitely did play I, some I think Hickson's played some snaps. Here's the thing with like – this is what I like about Ben Hart taking over that, that right tackle spot. If it opens up Corcoran – to, to be able to literally swing between any of the middle three spots, I think Hickson can be more than a solid – he can be a solid center at, at, at worst. Solid meaning you're getting the ball from the quarterback, from the center to the quarterback in the shotgun, which – And not way, getting blown up. Yeah, and not getting blown up and getting it consistently to the quarterback, which was an issue with Jurgens in years one and two, right? I think Hickson can do that right, right out of the gates. Okay, that's a good starting point. Corcoran can be a guy that maybe he, if he can be a special center, if Corcoran's that good, and I think Corcoran could be the best offense lineman on the team. So it's literally about Whoa. plugging and playing and finding the right spot for him. Um, if, if he's, if he's the best center and he can dominate and do things at center, which we haven't seen yet, I, I'd be lying if I said, I've seen it. We, he hasn't played that spot enough, but if he could be somebody that could start to do some elements of what Jurgens did, then yeah, maybe you throw him out there at yeah, that but- spot. But if not, Hickson is going to give you a solid center, and then, then you've got Corcoran, plug him at a guard. And, uh, you know, it, it, but it all starts with Ben Hart there. If Ben Hart isn't, can't take over that right tackle spot, you almost by default have to put Corcoran there and you lose Corcoran's ability to, to swing in, yeah, in the inside. Didn't Frost say he could play all five positions today? Oh, yeah. Today, so, yeah. So, so that's probably. It would be nice. Um. Well, guys, this has been good. Is there any other, is there any other questions, I guess, before we, before we head out of this? Boomer, you've been watching. I, I see a, a boatload of comments. I just don't know if anything's been questions no, out of it. No questions, no. <laughs> no. No. Come on. Everything we've talked about, we've we've explained so well <laughs> that there are no questions. What is it? What, what was that from? That was like SNL. Um, oh, the... The, the Barry Gibb talk Barry show. Gibb talk, Barry Gibb talk show, yeah. Come on. Is, <laughs> come on, is, brother, is there any other, qu- any on, other Robin, questions, Boomer? Talk to your brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no other questions. No, not uh, at this point. Oh, wait, wait, reference wait. of the night by Boomer. Thank you. <laughs> Talk about chest hair. <laughs> All right, Hawk, is there anything else we want to get to outside of chest hair and Barry Gibbs? Uh, Wish I had something. <laughs> I think that we want to tackle before we have some parting shots. I, you know, I. I don't. I think this is. I'd like to tackle the other team's quarterback. Boom. <laughs> well, I I do want to. I want to tackle the next couple of weeks. Uh, this is great to get this group together. I'm so glad we got the tonight. Um, Dave, I know you're at least out next week. I don't know if you're going to be back. Probably two both weeks. weeks. Probably both weeks. Um, mm-hmm. We're not quite ready to announce our guy two weeks from now, but um, but next week, like I said, we have Siancia, Brett Siancia. Have a couple more fan forums coming up. Go back, Fredcasters, to watch some of the fan forums. We just did a good one with uh, Paul Jake Jacobson with Husker tapes. That was fun. Also, I'm going to retweet this one out, you know, the week of Oklahoma week, but also rewatch that um, uh, 
Mike Babcock one that we did a week ago, Boomer and I did with, uh, you know, just Nebraska Oklahoma history. I'm, I'm particularly proud of that just because that is such a meaningful it tradition. Was a fun listen. All yeah. two plus hours of it. And if you don't like the, if you don't want to listen to two hours, the only part I didn't like was when Rob interjected uh, while you had to, to uh, uh, your computer rebooted, uh, and, and Rob, of course, immediately like turns it to to him. He's like, you know, I've got these these thoughts. What do you think, Mike Babcock? About my thoughts? I'm like, you could have asked Mike Babcock any question out there about Husker history. Rob, are you going to take this? You. I'm like. Well, Rock, first of all, I wasn't on, even man. supposed to be on the dang show, Dave. Like, I was <laughs> seriously, I get a text from Monkey. It's like, hey, can you jump on point? here for two minutes? And I'm just like, sure, I'll jump on with Mike Babcock and have absolutely nothing in my brain to talk <laughs> about except for like what I Honky asked me to do. But I thanks, would have had a thousand like, questions for you, the guy. You know come what, on, though, Rob. Dave? You know what, though, Dave? I'm going to start doing that every single time you decide not to come on to the show because you could have been there. You could have asked questions. Yeah. No one, No one invited me. You're always invited. It's literally scheduled on our YouTube and alerts. Okay, you so look at that. So, anywho, um, but the next couple of weeks we got a bunch of shows planned out there. You can go to our YouTube page and see which ones are planned, and um, and then uh, probably about two weeks from three weeks from now we'll get into I think uh, probably a two week session of like offense, defense. And by that point, I mean it's game time. So, you know, it's here. It's here. It's going to be fast. So, Redcasters. Pay attention. Keep watching. And just awesome. remember, the Redcast has just as much access to the team as any other <laughs> journalist out there, which is none, by the way. So well, <laughs> we, might as well Rob, us we have a lot of access to players because he's done a great job lining up interviews. So oh my God, Rob Rob's a hustler. That. Did Dave just say, oh, he's and we do have another one that I am working on. Thanks to you, Dave. That's right. And and yeah, and there and there's a good possibility that, that could happen. So look forward to that, right, Casters, because it is a good one. It's another nice good tease, one. Rob. Let's let's start the parting shots with Rob then, since he's on a roll. Well, I mean, I just want to see some football, man. And and I think I'm gonna find there's a new watch spot watch spot here in Greeley um, at a place called the Goat. So if we have any uh, Colorado listeners who are looking for a place to watch the game, there's the Goat in Greeley. And uh, it's it, a it golden Nebraska goat? watch you know what I'm bar, saying, Rob. Right? Yeah, I do know what I'm saying. Golden goat, yeah. But so I'll be there. I'll be watching the game from there and uh, having a good time. And hopefully, uh, we come away. Last year, I did not watch the Northwestern games. So I'm also considering that again because of the result. So there is no 311 concert that day, though. So we might have. Sure, you could find random '90s band that you can. Can watch during the Northwestern game. Maybe. Yeah, the urge or something. I'll be, I'll be, be seeing. Playing. I'll yeah. be seeing three eleven in Omaha with lit and three doors down. Two weeks later, before the Georgia at some country club in Omaha, Omaha. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Let, let's get a boomer. <laughs> Well, I don't have a whole lot. Uh, just first off, I just wanted to give another shout out to Mike Babcock. I really enjoyed the the yeah. time we had for the Oklahoma show. Like like Honky said, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please do. It's it's two hours of just awesomeness and just just fun talk about a great rivalry with Nebraska. Uh, second, Jay Dougal was asking the drink of choice. It, it's again diplomats. What Honky and I were drinking with Babcock. They're nice. They're light. They're they're perfect for summer. Just what you want. So um, if you need the recipe, let me know. They're they're pretty basic. And, you know, last thing, it's just kind of interesting, just uh, Kevin Warren in the media days this week, he does seem to be implying there's going to be more expansion of the Big Ten, so that'll be something to kind of keep a watch on. I 
he didn't close the door on it. I don't think it's going to be immediate, but I think it's going to be coming. So it'll be something else fun to watch for. So look forward to that emergency go big red cast uh, as soon as that happens. So I'm, it seems like it's coming down the pike. So enjoy it. You're ready. Yep. All right, Mac, what do you got, man? You know, this is still peak silly season, and, you know, I just caught Really? The guy next to you has Nebraska's sunglasses on. Scarlet. Color. Enjoy it. You know, we're undefeated. You know, I, I, I'm as hopeful as the next guy, but I'm also as skeptical as the as the biggest douche out there. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Don't say that about Dave. Okay. I was talking about you, Rob. You're the 15 year old guy. <laughs> All right, Honky, get us out of here. Yeah, I, you know, I shockingly, I really didn't have anything planned. But what Boomer talked about a little bit with like the the conference realignment stuff. uh, When you look at what uh, the Pac-12 is doing right now, where supposedly they're going to break up money, where it's like Oregon and Washington get like half of it, and then Stanford and and Cal get you know most of it, and then the other five, six teams, whatever they're... Is it true that UCLA and USC are coming in fully vested? Fully vested, yes. That's horse shit. There's no way I can see any of that go... There's no way I can see any of that go wrong in the Pac-12, the way that they might split it up. So, yeah, um, likelihood that uh, there could be some, some more movement. Yeah, it's it's all coming down to what Notre Dame does because the Big yeah, Ten could have I half agree. the Pac-12 if it wants to. Anybody who wants to join the Pac-12 will, will join the Big Ten if they do. So it's yeah. just the Big Ten's waiting to see what Notre Dame wants to do and who they might poach in the ACC. And then if that doesn't work, they're taking the Pac-12. So that's yeah. what it is. It'd be cool if you could get Clemson and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Redcasters, by the way. I'm looking at, gosh, like 70 comments or whatever here. So thank you guys, everyone that's been tonight. following along. Yeah, it's been been really cool but uh take us out of your day stay salty all right thanks guys a great show i enjoyed being back on the show i know i've taken most of the summer off but you guys have uh, taken great care with it you're refreshed uh, you're refreshed man I, uh, that's right that's right all right for now let's call that a go big red cat go big red gbr A Huda Media Production.